you, bro. Good morning. I'm ready. I've got the shirt on. I've got the brogues on. Twin, shoe twins with Steve this morning. So we're good. It's, uh, it's just a, a lovely, gentle sense of God's presence here. So I'm just going to let us rest in it for a moment longer. I think if everyone can just close their eyes and just have a little conversation with Jesus now. He loves you so much. And I just, I just don't want to rush into what God's given me before he's, he's done with what he wants to do first. Yeah, God, I just give you thanks for everything you've done and are going to do today, Father. I pray that we wouldn't go through the motions in just hearing your word and not doing anything about it, Father. I pray that today you would fill each one of us afresh with your Holy Spirit, that we would walk by your Spirit, Father, day to day. I give you glory and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to speak to you today for about half an hour, maybe 40 minutes or so, and that also is very important, because what I did is I got, took a word count and I divided it by the average number of words per minute, and then I went, right, that's, that's the word count we're going for then, so, so we'll see what happens. That's good, isn't it? So the purpose of my message today... I want to contrast, contrast living a life trusting in man versus trusting in God. I want to encourage you in your faith and your walk with Jesus to continue trusting in him no matter what you may face. And I want to encourage you to walk in your own life and walk with Jesus daily. To guard your heart and to move to a place of dependence on God and partnering with God to further his kingdom. If you remember the jukebox series of 2017, 2018, roughly, there's something similar to that today, but it's more of a, a live lounge, so that's something to look forward to. I know I do. And in many ways, this isn't a, a completely original message, um, as is any, but it's one that I believe the Lord has put in my heart to deliver to you today. And we're going to look at Jeremiah 17, and... It, some may know that I've been really enjoying the scripture, looking at it over and over again. And as I was writing this, it reminded me of something Malcolm Hedding said eight, nine, ten, maybe 12 years ago, I can't remember. But he was here speaking at the ICEJ conference. And he was talking of a time when he first came to know Christ and reading his Bible. And he, he spoke about reading the word of God as a cow chews the cud and encourages us to do the same. Now, a cow eats grass, it chews it, it goes back down, it comes back up and it chews it again and gets more nutrition out of it. And it's a lovely picture. <laughs> but it does it 40 to 60 times 
And that's how we can be with the word of God. We can read something, go away, come back to it again, get something fresh out of it, go away, come back to it again, get something fresh out of it. And it really reminded me as well of the famous quote by Martin Luther. It said, the Bible is alive, it speaks to me. And it's not a case of I read that once and I know it now. It's God, God's word and it keeps on speaking. So I just thought I'd share that side point with you before I really start. So Jeremiah 17, and we're going to read from verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by water that sends out roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search your heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct and according to what their deeds deserve. Now, there's so much in there. There's so many different rabbit holes I could go down and, and so many different directions. But this is, this is what I believe the Lord has given to me. And I see a warning, a blessing, a challenge and there must be recognition so the warning cursed is the one who trusts in man who draws strength from mere flesh the promise of blessing blessed is the one who trusts in the lord whose confidence is in him the challenge the challenge is the challenge of living life trusting in god as opposed to trusting in man in our own strength or resource and there's recognition that the flesh the heart of man is weak and prone to deceit and we should recognize our identity in Christ as a new creation, whilst we must also remain active in seeking the presence of God, allowing him to work in and through us. We must remain dependent on God, lose our fleshly independence, and in doing so, reflect his glorious nature by his spirit to those who don't yet know him. So the word that stands out to me initially here is the word trust. The word trust in verse 5 and verse 7, for your reference, means to have a firm belief in the reliability, truth, or ability of someone or something. So that in this case, to have a firm belief in the reliability, truth, or ability of man, or man-made things, constructs, health, wealth, job security, and actually many things that have been challenged over this COVID season or in God. So let's look at trusting in man first. Cursed is the one who trusts in man. One thing that we can be sure of is that if we only trust, put our hope, or lean on man, things that are man-made, in money, in health, in a job, or even in our own abilities, knowledge, strength, or specific skill set, Whatever it is, at some point, that trust will be tested. Now, I'm not saying that these things are 
wrong in and of themselves. But placing our dependence on these things, putting our security in the hands of man, putting our hope in man, worshipping man or man-made things which detract or distract from our walk and trust in God is wrong. And I noted celebrity culture. It's often said, don't meet your heroes because they will disappoint you. People worship, put their trust and dependence on things like sport or sport personalities. Or they trust wholly in their career to provide what they need for their every need and happiness. In putting our trust in these things, we run the risk of turning our backs on God. We miss out on his plans and his purposes for our lives. And we give man or stuff, God's status in our lives. Now, water in the Bible is often symbolic of God's spirit or his presence. Verse 6 of Jeremiah 17, which we, we, which we read, is a warning. That if we put our trust in man, we will be devoid of his spirit and the life that flows from the throne of God and miss out on the presence of God and the fruits and gifts and promises that come as a result. It says, that person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. Devoid of God's presence. Let's not put ourselves there. Money. Money's a big one. Money's difficult because we, need, we depend on money for... We need it to live, don't we? We need it to buy food. We need it to pay for somewhere to live. In Matthew 6, 25 to 34, it talks about not worrying about human resources, what to wear, things like that. Don't worry about tomorrow, but seek first the kingdom of God. It's difficult to, to do in practice sometimes when you've got financial issues or anything like that. But people trust in money that it will give an assurance, a quality of existence, happiness. Many people with vast amounts of money can often testify otherwise. 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 10 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who, get, sorry, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So as an example, while money is not wrong in itself, the love of money is the root of all evil, according to God's word, and can cause believers to wander from Christ. Now, you may know, or you'll certainly learn about me, that I like examples. I like visual representation. And to me, putting trust in man is like one of those challenges where you have to build a bridge or a tower or something out of paper. And it has to bear a mass to pass this challenge. At some point, because of its nature, its insecure foundations, its flimsy and fragile construction, 
it's going to fail. But not so with God. He is a firm and strong foundation. Let's be a people who have our eyes fixed on God. And it is he who will determine our perspective, our outlook. We need to allow God to work within his timing and to carry out his plans for our lives. Proverbs 69, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. But what of trusting in God? How can I put my trust in some, someone who I, I have not seen? Yeah, it takes faith, absolutely. Although I uh, actually understand my dad originally came to faith because of his, it was logical based on risk versus reward. Yeah, it's a good way to look at it. For those who don't know my dad, he was a, a wonderful man. The children, and I, I used this uh, example at uh, Scamsdale the other week, but I really like it, so I'm going to use it again. The children watch a program on CBBS called World Kitchen. And in the program, some children cook a meal with the supervision of adults for the sharp bits and the hot bits. And this, in this meal, there is a secret ingredient so it may be a curry, and I'm sure there's people who are better cooks in this room than me, but if it's a curry, it may be turmeric, or if it's a stir-fry, it may be ginger or chilli or something like that. Fiona's, Fiona will know better than I do. <laughs> um, but the secret ingredient pulls the dish together and makes the dish work, and to, it, it makes it from going from maybe something bland to something which really pops and is, is delicious. So what is the secret ingredient that creates trust? Trust where you put your life in someone's hands, in God's hands. It could be credentials. Like you put your trust in a pilot because they have the right qualifications to fly the plane, or you certainly hope they do. You can be told that God is all-powerful, wonderful, loving, a loving God who only wants the best for you. You can go to church every week and hear about him, and you can even serve at church every week. This could be out of a compulsion to do so, or religion. You may say it's faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, Hebrews 11. Faith is, to me, like the precursor, and an increase in faith is the result. You'll see what I mean by that in a minute. It's an ongoing expectation that God is going to do what he said he will do before it is seen but it's not the secret ingredient I'm looking for here the secret ingredient I'll put you out your misery now or expectation maybe hopefully not misery is relationship it's having faith and having experience of initial revelation and then continual growth in relationship and understanding of the things of God not just head knowledge but experience of his love who he is. It's a two-way conversation, a prolonged pattern of communication and experience between us and God, which leads to deep trust and the result unshakable faith. There are many people who turn up to church as a general, completely generalized statement, but don't trust in the Lord and aren't following him wholeheartedly. And that's probably true for all of us, maybe to a greater or lesser extent. Many people know about God, but don't necessarily know God. 
Have you ever done a trust test where you fall backwards and someone, without looking and someone catches you? When you take a step back in that scenario, scenario or you can't let yourself fall, it shows a lack of trust. I'm going to look for volunteers, or am I? James, if you'll come up. <laughs> it's okay, I'm the other volunteer. And when I asked, I told James a couple of days ago that I was going to do this, and uh, <laughs> he said, it's all right, I went to the gym on Monday. So I don't know whether that says, what that says about him or me. <laughs> so let's see what happens. Let's move some things out of the way. No, you need that in a minute, don't you? Let's, let's do it over here. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to fall back, and hopefully I trust my brother. <laughs> Let's my whole life. You can go a bit further. There you go. There you go. That was good, wasn't it? You caught me. And that was just a little demonstration of trust. Now, I'd, I knew James would catch me. I had faith that James would catch me. But because of my relationship with him, I know his nature. I know he is trustworthy. And therefore, I could trust him to catch me. Hence, I picked him. <laughs> <laughs> the more we get to know God, the more we want to enter his presence. The more we enter his presence, the more we know his love and the more we love him. It's a self-perpetuating cycle. The more each one of us is in his presence, the more we want to be in his presence. The more we are in his presence, the more we know and trust him. We will know his character, his love, and our will will align with his. And I made a note, it's not his will align with, aligning with ours. The more we are in his presence, the more we will transform into his likeness. And... James is sat there because he's, he's going to play a song in a minute as the live lounge parts of, of this. And um, if you can get your guitar and get ready. James writes wonderful songs and, and they're songs laced with the gospel. And this song that he's going to, to play now is, well, it's, a, it's an absolute tune. It's brilliant. It's, a, <laughs> it's one of my favorite songs at the minute. Um, and I will say a little bit more about it after uh, James has played the song. Over to you. Yeah, um, this is this is a song that uh, really follows um, kind of the pattern of Psalm 1, really. Um, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it... He meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water who bears fruit in his season. But the ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind drives away. And uh, that's a psalm that very much mirrors the passage in Jeremiah that John was sharing. And um, for me, it's when I read this psalm, the Lord speaks, speaks something new to me um, often through it. But... Um, but yeah, it's it's very much kind of what what are we what what are we trusting in? As John was saying, what are we soaking on? What are we breathing in in the in the difficult moments and in the good moments? What what are we taking into our souls? And um, yeah, do do we? I think for me during the pandemic, um, I've I have learned and I, I'm learning to 
uh, in the in the moments when I'm perhaps uh, sort of down or or kind of bored or, or whatever it is, I'm learning to lean on the Lord and to dig into the Lord and not pick up my phone and look at sport or self-medicate on those things. And this is really what what are we what are we taking into our souls? Soul trills up to the size of the magazine man. Soul shrinks back to the sound of a teenage dream list. Sitcom stripping sex of all its meaning Sowing then beauty through the gaps new paths in my mind it weaves in wraps itself around my heart and squeezes cotton on the bed it smells like freedom it covers evil Ghosting into my head. Who's taking hold of the mic? Who's sneaking past on my walls and steals the keys to my heart? heavy but empty not ready over time by gravity drunk heavy but empty unsteady
Pray for James as he writes songs because he's been given a real gift of songwriting and um, a real uh, mandate, I suppose, by the Lord to go and share that with people who don't know Jesus and to, to share the gospel through his music. So pray for him. I love this song because the, the gospel is implicit in this song. It takes us on a, on a journey from taking delight in the world's pleasures trusting in man and enjoying the fruits of the world. This leads to a dissatisfaction with the feeling, unfulfilled and needing more, having a sinking feeling. Yes, the world may be enjoyable and seem exciting for a time, but that's not what the human heart needs or desires. Love and trust in the world lead, lead to emptiness, rejection and hopelessness. We then hear about a transformation seeing behind the, behind the masquerade of pretense that there is nothing more than the life we see in the natural. We then hear the change from the old sinful self to being a new creation. When we look at the first well, pre-chorus, we see, we see who's ghosting into my head, who's taking hold of the mic, who's sneaking past on my walls and steals the keys to my heart. Those are, those are very provocative words that describe how the, the devil tries to get past our firewalls, if you like. But then in pre-chorus two, we see a change of, of perspective. I want to love you instead as only you I breathe in. I feel you walk through my door you know the way to my heart. That's how we, that's, that's Jesus coming in. And then later on in the, in the tag, it's, it's a, a wonderful kind of comparison of the two. California dreaming, you know, some wonderful, supposedly celebrity lifestyle, but it's some, such an empty pretense. It's nothing but a decoy beauty that'll lead me to death. I've seen the light of real love's face or I can see behind the masquerade, I've seen the light on real love's face. Nothing better than, than the joy that fills me when I see you again. It's a revelation in us, a moment of transformation in that second pre-chorus when we, when we ha have Christ coming into our hearts. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. 
Our God is a God of transformation. From hopelessness, discontentment, a desolate desert of death and despair, to life full of love in him. Eyes open to the truth of his goodness, grace and mercy, and an eternity to enjoy his presence because of our saviour, Jesus Christ. A month or so ago, Stephen spoke about uh, Gilgal from Joshua 5, 2 to 9, a place where the flesh is cut off. So I want to reiterate this point, I suppose. God is seeking a people who will pass through Gilgal with him, who will move out of fleshly independence, trusting in man, drawing strength from the flesh, and whose heart is turned away from God. And re-quoting again Jeremiah 17, 6, that person will be like a bush in the wastelands, They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. Move from there to total dependence on God, total trust in God and having confidence in the Lord for everything. Stephen then spoke about Bethel, a place of encounters in the darkest times of the journey. Now God doesn't promise that when we come to faith in him through Jesus that our lives will be perfect without any problems. He doesn't promise there won't be any issues. But he does promise that he will be with us. Point iterated in Jeremiah 17. Those who trust God, so to verse 8, they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out the roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes, which is very much a problem and a trial for a tree. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The imagery of running water, as I said previously, uh, being the resource of God, the will of God, his spirit, the water of life, as we see in other passages from scripture, Psalm 46, Ezekiel 47, and Revelation 22, uh, for your notes. When we are rooted in him, walking with him daily, we do not need to fear when times of trouble come. I know it's easier said than done, but we must learn through relationship with him to lean fully on the strength of God and not on our own strength or understanding. When we are rooted in him, walking with him daily, we need to come, move to a place from, of dependence on self, whether we love ourselves or love the things, the things, the stuff around us or anything other than God Two, trusting fully in God allowing ourselves to be fully transformed to love God with all of our heart soul, mind and strength those being the words of Jesus Matthew 22, Jesus replied love the Lord your God with all your heart and all of your soul and with all of your mind this is the first and greatest commandment Are there any areas of your life where you're not allowing God into to change or to transform? Why don't you make the decision today to go after him and trust him wholeheartedly and allow God to do the work in you that he wants to do? Maybe you have been ignorant to the fact that you are blocking God out of certain areas or maybe you're just unwilling. Maybe this is true for me too, but it's time to let God have his way. God's plan is a lot better for us than our plan for us. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Let's be a people who love him with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and trust him to transform every area of our lives. 
it's easy for us as Christians, followers of Christ, to deceive ourselves a little bit and say, Lord, I give you my whole life. Have it all. I want to be more like you. But actually, in this particular scenario, I, if I could just keep this bit, that would be great. Or, Lord, I trust you completely with everything. But then our actions say, actually, I can't really wait, God, on your time scale. I need to do this bit on my own. It's, it's very easy to do. Why? Because of our fleshly fragility. So often we have the best of intentions to trust God's word and timing. But Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful. Who can understand it? This suggests, suggests the heart is intrinsically corrupted and prone to be swayed. In Genesis 3, we see the earliest example of the devil swaying Eve's heart to disobedience of God. Eve, in turn, swayed Adam's heart and they were cast out of the Lord's presence because the Lord cannot abide by sin. Peter swore to Jesus that he would never deny him and yet, when the time came, Peter's heart was swayed by fear and he denied his saviour three times. As I was reflecting on this and writing this, I just thought I, I really enjoyed Peter's character arc. He's, he's so zealous for Jesus and is, you know, he cuts a soldier's ear off. He's so, Lord, I'm, I'm behind you. I'll go with you all the way. And then he denies Jesus and he must have felt so wretched and just so horrendous after promising all these things previously. But then Jesus comes and says, Peter, do you love me? Three times. And he's like, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And then Jesus, you know, uses him mightily and powerfully. And I just, I just love that. But there is, a, however, a distinction that I want to make here between the heart of the believer, the follower of Christ, and the non-believer. And before Christ, when Jeremiah was writing, and post-Christ, death and resurrection. Ezekiel 36 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Now the context of this is the restoration of Israel and the people of Israel. Not only physically, but spiritually that God would give them a new heart and establish a new covenant with them through Jesus Christ. We can see uh, that when we take part in this new covenant, we can see and extrapolate to ourselves uh, and following Jesus, we are a new creation with a new, a new heart and keeping in step with God's spirit. We want to follow his decrees and be careful to keep his laws. And as we've seen previously, in uh, 2 Corinthians 6, if anyone's in Christ, they are a new creation. The heart is changed and we are saved from sin and death. I would also encourage you to read Romans 7 and 8. It was a wonderful passage that describes the freedom we have as believers from the law of sin. And that those in Christ must live not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. When we were growing up, mum and dad always taught us to keep short accounts with God. What does that mean? Well, it means to be constantly self-aware. It means to deal with sin immediately when you become aware of it and to repent of it. If we don't do, get into the habit of doing this, sin can build up and overtake our lives and we can take on a character that isn't Christ-like. We must live by the Spirit in a posture submitted to Christ. 
and not allow the enemy a foothold. Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, says that our new life is hidden with Christ in God and therefore to put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature and defines how a Christian must live. Philippians 1.6 says that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, for a moment, I would just want to take a very brief detour to the world of science and analysis, as I like to do. And there's a technique called scanning electron microscopy, or SEM for short, bear with me. This is where a beam of electrons scans across the surface of a material, and from, then you, from that you get an extremely detailed look at the surface. The technique is used to look at particles which are micrometers or nanometers in diameter. With this technique, you can look at extremely low levels and decide on the amount of nanomaterial that is in the powder. The reason this is important is because nanomaterials can have extremely harmful uh, effects on the body, and particularly to the lungs. It is therefore to, important to be aware of the physico-chemical properties of these powders to understand the risk that they pose to human health. And if you've phased out for the last 30 seconds, phase back in. Likewise, it is important to consider and, and examine our hearts as we are living a life which is completely sold out, sorry, are we cons uh, living a life which is completely sold out for Jesus? Is there anything in our life which is harmful to us and will obstruct our walk with Jesus? We must be a people who guard our hearts and walk faithfully in step with God, allowing him to change us into his likeness by his spirit. We must be obedient to the prompts of the spirit to be guarded with what we allow into our lives. Link back to what James' song was talking about. We must use SEM, not scanning electron microscopy, and I know this is a little bit cheesy, but I'm going with it. It's self-examination microscopy. Putting ourselves, our thoughts, motivations, desires, our hearts, what we watch, listen to, speak about, under the microscope and comparing them with God's word and his will for our lives. Allow the spirit to guide us in our lives, to search our hearts daily, and to perfect the work in us that Christ finished on the cross. Psalm 139 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me into the way everlasting. Now, each of us has blind spots, and so we need to spend time in the Lord's presence daily. Allow him to mould us, reshape our lives, reshape our perspectives, and have an awareness of his view and love of, love of us. And allow him to point out areas where we are not completely submitted to him. This is the challenge in an area I'm sure we all must grow. Each of us must humble ourselves before the Lord not to beat ourselves with self-deprecation. We have a high price. Evidence in Jesus, the Son of God, paying that price so that each one of us may live eternally with him. But we must be humble so that he, God, may exalt us and use us in his will. It's not by our strength by which we are effective in the kingdom, but his. We must be a presence-seeking, presence-soaking people 
When we are in his presence, we become aware of our inadequacies and the need for a saviour. Jeremiah 17, verse 14 says, Heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved. For you are the one I praise. They keep saying to me, Where is the word of the Lord? Let it now be fulfilled. I have not run away from being your shepherd. You know I have not desired the day of despair. What passes my lips is open before you. Do not be a terror to me, and you are my refuge in the day of disaster. And I, when I was just reading that, I could almost envision Jeremiah on his knees before the Lord in his presence and being aware of God's holiness and, and magnificence before him. And I'm sure many of us are familiar with Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and, and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. We must practice living in his presence daily allowing the Lord to change us into his likeness. As we do, we will become more and more aware of his holiness in his presence and our unholiness. But this is the beauty of the gospel, that in God's grace and mercy, Jesus took all of our iniquities upon himself and those who believe in Christ are justified as holy before a holy God. In uh, Family Church, Scalmersdale, the preaching series over the summer has been the fruits of the Spirit, and still is it's continuing. And as we live by the Spirit, we take on characteristics and the fruits of the Spirit. We are called to live in freedom from sin as a new creation, as we discussed earlier. We must spend time in his presence. As a generality, we become like the environment we reside in. If you spend time in water, you will get wet. If we live our lives around sin, it will rub off and we will take on sin, some sinful character. If we live life in the Lord's presence, we will live in freedom by his spirit and his characteristics will transform us. If we think back to the song which James sung, we see the words, who's ghosting into my head? Who's taking hold of the mic? Who's sneaking past all my walls and steals the keys to my heart? Now, throughout, throughout the song, actually, James was really, and when James wrote the song, he was referencing C.S. Lewis or, or taking a theme from C.S. Lewis, where C.S. Lewis spoke about art slipping past the watchful dragons of religion, fiction and poetry as examples. And I'm paraphrasing C.S. Lewis, but what he was saying is that fiction could be used as, to influence people and people's subconscious to decide to follow Christ. And I would say that Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe in the Narnia series, is, 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 that's part of the thinking behind that series that C.S. Lewis wrote. 
and that being a prime example. But equally, the converse is true. We need to remain watchful and mindful of the fiction or subjects that we are feeding ourselves through the medium of film, TV, books, pop songs, etc. And guard against the things which are not of God, which could easily influence, corrupt, and negatively impact us and our devotion and posture towards Christ and living life by the Holy Spirit. Do we live by the flesh or by the Spirit? That's, that's the challenge. Are we enjoying God or enjoying the world? A quote by attributed to Smith Wigglesworth. The reason the world is not seeing Jesus is that Christian people are not filled with Jesus. They are satisfied with attending meetings weekly, reading the Bible occasionally, and praying sometimes. It is an awful thing for me to see people who profess to be Christians lifeless, powerless, and in a place where their lives are so parallel to unbelievers' lives that it is difficult to tell which places they are in, whether in the flesh or in the spirit. This should challenge us. Do we trust in God? Are we sustained by his spirit or are we walking in the flesh, living lukewarm, ineffectual lives for Jesus? It may be a slightly flippant and simplistic illustration, but if you dip your toe in a pool and hug someone, they're going to remain pretty dry. But if you are immersed in the water and hug someone, they're going to get wet. We should be a people who are immersed in his presence daily. So that when we, people meet us and we meet people, they meet the character and the person of Jesus Christ. They get a sense of the fragrance of God. And in closing, I want to read a passage uh, from Galatians which talks about the fruits of the Spirit. It summarizes the life lived in the flesh and the life lived in step with God and His Spirit. Let's be a people who walk in the Spirit. Spend time in the Lord's presence, trust in him and obey his word and partner with him for the advancement of his kingdom. Galatians 5, starting at verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not what sorry so that you are not to do whatever you want but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law the acts of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality impurity and debauchery idolatry witchcraft hatred discord jealousy fits of rage selfish ambition dissensions factions and envy drunkenness orgies and the like I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And I want to finish with this sentence. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Amen.